Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, not another running story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real. And we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning. I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now Coaching. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical or psychological advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making questionable decisions, please seek out an appropriate professional. What's up, Megan? Say again. (laughs) What's up, Megan? How many times do you think I could get you to do this? Oh, I could do this for an hour and a half straight if we really wanted to. And I mean, the, the problem is when do our loyal listeners say, this is bullshit and either turn it off or try to fast forward it. Well, we just did it three times. So maybe we'll get some feedback from that. Okay. And I have to ask, I have to ask our listeners um, favors. When, when you're listening to this podcast, please go into your podcast app, whatever you're using and this is available on all podcast apps. We always post it on Apple just because for simplicity's sake, but it's available on um, on um, Spotify and Pandora and pretty much every podcast medium available. But what I really need from everybody is to follow our podcast on whatever uh, medium you're using and rate us. Give us a good rating if you don't want to give us a good rating, then maybe you don't have to rate us. That's okay. And if you really love us, like if you have undying love for us, if you want to just write a review to say what you like about the podcast, it super helps with our marketing and our podcast numbers. So that's just my little, that's my little promo. Pretty please. And if you don't want to do it, it's okay. You could share our podcast with a friend and that also helps. Or you could put mean comments down below. I like those. Well, if they rate us positively with mean comments, I think it still works for our numbers. Um, I'm not really that smart when it comes to marketing. So maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, don't don't do it. Just be nice to us. We need all the help we can get. (laughs) It actually, you know what amazes me is I... I look at our numbers and I see how many people are actually listening and it does blow my mind. And so thank you. Thank you to everyone who's, who's listening, listening to us and our nonsense. So smash that like button. Smash it. Smash it. So John, what are we going to talk about today? My friend. Dude. I think this is your topic of choice. Uh, Actually, it was yours. It was yours. You started it. Well, we started by talking about. We already weak, arguing. Weak, <laughs> weak, weak-minded individuals. That's oh! not what we were talking about. 
just going to so, well, shave. At the end, when we stopped recording um, for our last podcast, um, we always hit the, you know, obviously hit the stop button. And Sean and I start start bantering back and forth even more. And we were just talking about podcasts and books and things we were listening to. And we started talking about cults. So there's a couple really cool podcasts out there and books and all sorts of stuff. But as it relates to fitness and health and nutrition, um, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, there is so much nonsense out there. And you say weak-minded individuals. However... I'm going to put it in in nicer words. <laughs> when I think people get desperate, I think that it's really hard to be healthy sometimes. And everybody, well, most people want a quick fix. And I don't blame them because if I could take a magic pill that would make me healthy and happy and fit every day, I would totally do it if that magic pill were out there. But that magic pill does not exist. So... That's why I work and I do, I put all the effort into taking care of myself, but I think people are looking for shortcuts. So they'll find a polarizing figure or idea and latch on to, you know, said person or idea as the way they're going to get better. And even if that person or idea is detrimental to their health. Well, what, what I meant by weak-minded weak-minded individuals was a tongue-in-cheek statement and not necessarily the way I feel. I feel that most people that get caught up in any kind of, you know, if we're talking fitness cult or, I don't know, real-life cult, are seeking not necessarily even a quick fix, but they're just seeking some direction and seeking right. some seeking something that will put them towards the path that they think they want to be on. Now, where it gets, where it turns and goes from something positive to something detrimental is the point where you go from saying something is good to, I guess, which, which would be positive, to, to more of the cult-like status. And if there's no other options for you, you think that there's no other possible way to achieve said goal in a healthy right. manner, then that's where it becomes that cult-like status, right? And that's, and I mean, it's it happens with diet belief systems and with training belief systems and with, um, I mean, like you said, emotional and work-related systems and whatever it is, whatever system, and I'm using air quotes around the word system, that gets put into place that becomes the end-all, be-all that's usually led by an individual or a small group of individuals, and they get put up on a pedestal, then I think that's where you end up in an area where things can be drastically detrimental. And sometimes, and sometimes you could get in that situation and it's not detrimental to you, but eight out of other 10 people, it can be detrimental to in that same situation. Right. So. What are some of the radical 
or cult-like ideas you've seen in um, overall mental health, well-being, or fitness? Well, like fitness, anytime you get into any one of the diet belief systems, whether it be the ketogenic movement, the Atkins diet, Mm -hmm. paleo, vegan, um, vegetarian, anytime you get into any one of those, it kind of kind of crosses can cross over into that that ideology um they are not necessarily bad in and of themselves um but the ideology that exists with them sometimes can can cross over into that and that like i think that depends on who the person is um you know another fitness cult type thing is you know the maybe this this is probably not a surprise when i say this like the church of goggins right like that like uh crossfit's another one um i mean ultra running can certainly be in that Mm -hmm. that vein right yeah like especially when you start like then you're like oh well like the the barefoot runners and whatever and she running pose running yeah um i'm sure there's there's freaking triathlete cult type things oh goodness yes um You do know. you think you've ever fallen into one of those extreme beliefs for a while? So I have definitely. So I don't think there's. I don't know if I've ever believed that there's only one way to attack a problem. Right. Um, whatever that like to one way to achieve a goal. Um, I've definitely. Uh, subscribed to certain um, dietary plans, which are almost always typically some form of restriction plan to. That's a really good point. And I'm going to interrupt you right there. I find that a lot of these beliefs are mostly restrictive in nature. Um, Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to highlight. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's a good point. No. um, So, I mean, and I've definitely, definitely experimented to see how how I responded to it because like I said there's I don't think there's necessarily inherent bad in a lot of it it's just when it becomes your identity that like it gets yeah it gets skewed um and when you start that's a really good point and when you start pushing it on other people's right like that's that's where it becomes weird and then if you get caught up in it in a way that because, like I said, it's your identity. And then if you decide to go against whatever that identity is, you're ostracized by the other members that are now your peer group. Right. Like in that in that family, which is which is one of the things that I've seen. Like I've seen happen in regards to CrossFit. Um, I think it happens probably in the, the vegan community if you get really into it. Um I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe I think the CrossFit and the paleo and, or the keto kind of like all kind of cross into that same, same areas. Um, the, I don't know, I don't know if it happens in the ultra world, but I'm sure that there's, there's definitely probably segments of people in the ultra world that think that like, if you're not doing 
not doing a hundred mile or you're not really a part of that, that group. Well, that, that would be the LSD long, slow distance group. Yeah. Uh, you know, the people that think that the, the only way to run is whatever pose running or whatever. Um, I don't know. Like I said, like I, there's, there's factions of it, but I don't, I don't know if it, if it, and, it, and it, I guess it's kind of with even regular cults, right? Like there's not, it's not like you're going to see it in your everyday life. It's just the people that it really involves. I think given that you and I have been involved in, you know, competitive sports, fitness, um, emotional well-being, you know, all, we've been, we've been working this for a while. Like, I think both of us, since we were kids, right, you, you were competitive starting what age did you, what t- what age did you start swimming? Uh, I mean, I started swimming competitively at six or seven. Yeah. me. Yeah. And for me is running at six or seven. Um, as you're talking, I'm going through all the ideas in my mind that I've played with. So I can think, well, first I am a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian since I was 15 years old. However, I've also been vegan. Um, I've, you know, experienced, experimented with all sorts of food related stuff. Now I typically say I'm plant-based because, you know, I will eat fish at least now, you know, um, but, but last year, um, last year, if at this time, I think I was vegan, I sort of like, I switch back and forth at this point, depending on what I need for, for my health. Um, I like to say plant-based because if I say vegan, it implies some political beliefs and at least my beliefs around food and nutrition. Number one is what suits my body best. And number two is where is that food coming from? And it it really circles back to when we were talking to Josh, however many, we talked about this, how many podcasts ago? I don't know. Let's say it was 10 podcasts ago, but we were talking about his, his hunting and his homesteading. And that is an way of life that I completely respect because a lot of my nutrition revolves around where my food comes from and what it's going to do to my body and how it contributes to this earth. Um, so, so there's that. And yeah, I've also, I don't think there's anything wrong with CrossFit pose running. Um, I've never done chi running. Chi running is actually, I found at least from the reading that I've done, it's, it's the same as pose running, but chi running falls into how you feel. Whereas pose running talks about physics. It's the same same form training, but different, um, different approaches. So yeah, so I don't, oh, in yoga too, boy, oh boy. Um, I've done a number of different kinds of yoga, um, you know, power yoga, Ashtanga yoga, um, Bikram, restorative yoga for athletes. I've, you know, I've had training in, in a lot of different kinds of yoga, but I think that when I start to get into something, whatever it is. Um, let's say, let's go back to a few years ago when I was doing Bikram yoga, which we can talk about the problems with Bikram yoga. Um, so many, um, I really liked 
when I was, when I was training after my long runs, um, I would go do, go do a Bikram class because it was hot and it really opened up my muscles and connective tissues and let me stretch. And it felt very, very good for me at the time, but then it gets a little weird. It got a little weird in the sense that the instructors, I don't need to leave. I never needed to leave the room. The heat doesn't bother me, but some people don't tolerate heat the way I do. And they would be very militant in their directions of, you don't leave the room. And I'm looking at it this way. If you're going to vomit or pass out, I'm totally cool with you leaving the room. <laughs> that's that's a hard stop for me. But with yoga and nutrition, ultra running, um, triathlons, climbing, surfing, whatever I've done, as soon as I really start to get into something, the quote goes in my head. Groucho Marx wrote in his letter of resignation to the Friars Club, um, I don't want to belong to any club that would accept me as one of their members. <laughs> I get really skeptical of um, belonging at that deep of a level. I think that given that it's the holiday season, I've always felt like a lifelong member of the Island of the Misfit Toys, you know, like they show in, like in Rudolph. And I like the idea of take what you like and leave the rest. And that work, that works for me. But as soon as we start to get really intense, restrictive, or people start telling me what to do, then I, then I tap out. Sometimes it's a very hard turn and I'm like, I'm out of here. See ya. Done. Other times it takes a while for me to realize, hmm, I don't want to be told what to do. And it's, I've had many coaches that I've worked with that have been excellent. And of course they tell me what to do. And, um, I don't have a problem with that, but it's what you were talking about where if you tell me I need to be eating a certain way or, exercising a certain way or setting up my life in a particular manner. And I don't do that. If you start to ostracize me or criticize me for not behaving in that manner, I think there's a lot of good ideas to take from, from places. But if it doesn't work for you and your body, like, like, being plant-based has worked for me since I was 15 years old. And again, I change it. I'll try different foods. Um, but if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that that I'm right and you're wrong. It just means that your body is different than mine and needs something different. So when we work with our athletes, I know all three of us do this. It's a really important tenant of our coaching, we don't tell people that this is the way they have to eat. We guide them in finding them the best way to eat for them. And I can even think, I, I believe we were talking to, oh, was it Sam? Maybe it was Sam. I don't know. It was one of our last podcasts about how many calories, you know, we're, we're intaking when we're, when we're racing. And it's going to be it's going to be totally different. The amount of calories that you can consume is going to be different from me. And frankly, even my calorie input changes whether we're in hot weather or cold weather, whether I'm running 20 miles or whether I'm running 100 miles or it's different when I'm on the bike. 
it, there's just got there's just got to be that room to move. And I'm really hesitant when somebody tells me to subscribe to a certain point of view that this is the way to do it. Yeah, I think the the different what, what we're de defining here is right, like the difference between instruction and directive that leads to principle, right? Like where maybe in, instead of the word instruction, maybe it would be like guidance. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not well, even. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I mean it's instruction, right? Like, <laughs> like do this. But that doesn't work for me. Okay, well then let's do this, right? It's still instruction. Right. It's just not. It's just not a. It's not a dictate. Not an not order. A mandate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that, and I think when right you you start looking at it, it's and you're right. It's it's guidance, but it's instruction. If you have, it doesn't have to be the um, being vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or whatever or like running or it doesn't have to be that it doesn't it's not good for you physically because right sometimes things that maybe it just maybe doesn't fit your lifestyle at this moment or maybe it doesn't fit your like you're like i don't want to eat vegetarian because i want to go out and have burgers with my my brother every friday night and like if i'm eating only vegetarian and that's the only way i can do it then i lose out on that social aspect with my brother even though Maybe eating vegetarian is better for my body from experience, right? Like, you know, it's it's sometimes making a sacrifice for a physical benefit to have a social benefit or whatever the case, however that pans out. That harkens back to what we were talking about in the last podcast of your why, right? Why are you, why are you choosing this path? Are you choosing this path because you want to be happy and you want to be social? Are you choosing this path because you're aiming to train for something or, or it could be both? Um, one of the issues with being vegan that I found, because I'm also um, gluten-free because I have celiac disease, um, I find that when I'm vegan, it really socially isolates me. And I'm not one of those people... E even, you know, being plant-based today, like if I go to your house and you're serving something, I will never look at you and go, oh, I can't eat this, or you're eating something bad. I'll, I'll literally just say thank you and eat what I can and be polite and I don't say anything. Or I, I would bring my own food. You know, a lot of times at like a barbecue or something, um, you know, we can bring veggie burgers or whatever. It's not, not a big deal, but it's just learning learning how to adapt um has been yeah has been has been important i guess that's my point yeah i mean i don't know i don't like i said i i've eaten i've been paleo i've been vegan and i i mean not just for like a length of like four weeks to try it out like i mean i've eaten paleo for I probably ate mainly paleo for two years mainly vegan for like two years um and so I mean I know for both of them like I know how how my my body reacts to those things and um 
my reasoning for for doing them and i never i don't care what other people do and i never felt like yeah no i never felt like the way i ate was part of my identity at a certain point when you're when you become really restrictive with it it does start to impact a lot of different areas of your life um but that's what i meant like as a so because i literally cannot have gluten when when i'm gluten-free and vegan and imagine you and i want to go out we're going to meet and we're going to eat at a restaurant it's very limiting it's very so it was it's very socially limiting and it's where can I eat for breakfast? If I'm not, I can't eat eggs. I can't eat pancakes. I can't eat um, oatmeal. It starts, it starts to limit things for me. And that was one of the biggest problems for me with eating vegan. Like I actually felt pretty good, but when I hung out with other people, um, yeah, it was just isolating and in a little, in a little difficult. Yeah. And, and I can see that. And it's, if you, are in a system that promotes especially with dietary stuff and um and you get involved in a group of people that, that that's that's their system and that becomes your your immediate peer group and your social group and your becomes your identity and stuff like that um that automatically right so what happens is you what you're saying is like those other outside social situations start to they do they not i wouldn't say necessarily they, they suffer right like you 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 mm -hmm. almost ostracize yourself from those other groups of people that don't see the things the way you do or don't and it might just like i said it might be eating it might be like i said crossfit like is, is a like I, I know i brought up crossfit like multiple times but i i, I saw it time and time again um OCR, like obstacle course racing. That's another like mm -hmm. becomes um, cult like type stuff. And that becomes your whole world. And you put all that other stuff out of it. And then it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. And in those aspects where you're saying like we went to like a barbecue and like I had to bring my own food. You don't do that anymore because you don't go to the barbecue where like that food is like, right? Like you go yes. to. The event where like it's all your your vegan friends and then you think and then it starts to become when you're in that echo chamber of this is the only way then it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy where it like does wrap you up and you like you bounce things off and it becomes and it reverberates back into you and you become more your identity and then and and that's that's my island of misfit toys personality. And I'm with Groucho Marx. As soon as I've started to fall into those extremes, and and now I wouldn't have even gotten to the extreme point, but as soon as I started being included in, in an exclusive group, I sort of look around and go, yeah, yeah, this isn't, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm tapping out. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Um, I don't know. Doesn't feel right. And I think, like, using your your David Goggins example was really good because I I like David Goggins. I think he's cool. I 
I think he would be an awesome person to go for a run with or to train with for a while. It'd be great. However, to live like that every day is the problem. It's not that there's anything wrong with David Goggins. Not that there's anything wrong with with CrossFit or being a vegan or whatever it is. It's just when that's all you do, it can be it can be rather exhausting. And I've had issues over the years. Just it doesn't happen very much. But I can think of one athlete that I was working with um boy, 10 years ago. And she was she was marathon training and she was, you know, also involved in yoga and 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 that lifestyle, which is great, as I am too. And she wanted to do a cleanse. Okay, red flag right there. I have issues with cleanses. <laughs> um, she wanted to do a water fast for 10 days while she was marathon training. And sometimes we have athletes that do stupid things. Like we'll give them one workout and they end up doing two. And, you know, you and I sort of sit back, let them do it and go kind of like, we, we don't say I told you so to, well, maybe you do, but yeah, they're going to, they're going to learn. Right. But that was a hard line I had to draw with her. And I said, you cannot water fast and continue with your marathon training at, at this level. And, and I, and we went back and forth, but I I had to say to her, if you're going to do this fast, your training is going to be put on hold, at least on my end. Um, and we can, you know, we can come back at a later date, but what you're doing is going to, is going to hurt you and is inherently dangerous. And I felt like it was a slippery slope leading into eating disorder. I mean, I, and I, I was right. Um, we, we took a break. We took a break for about a month or two of coaching and she came back and, and ended, you know, and we ended up ultimately having issues. She got sick. She broke down. She got injured. Um, the water fast did not go well um, while marathon training. Um, and I don't like to have to set those hard lines, but I will if I see somebody doing super dangerous stuff. And I believe that is in the category of super dangerous stuff. Well, yeah, it's a safety aspect, right? And that's what we're talking about where things become detrimental to, to the individual and in, in that following into whatever it is like, um, it could be socially detrimental. It can be, it can be physically detrimental. Um, in the, in the case of, of your runner doing marathon training type stuff while water fasting because of, I don't know if it was, um, I don't know if it was cult induced from the yoga side of things or what. I don't think that's, I've never, I've never heard of the, the cult of water fasting while marathon training. So I don't think it was a marathon training aspect of things. Um, no, and even, even those that subscribe to long periods of fasting in the yoga and wellness world, what they tell you to do, I still don't agree with these, but um, what they tell you to do is you have to put a hold on your life because you will have no energy. You will be extremely cold. You will be very cranky. It's hard to function when you're starving your body. I'm sure there's you know some benefits 
to it that they would that they would promote. We're not going to go into we're not going to go into that right now because we're trying to steer people towards the gray, which is oh my god, how ironic is that? You and I are very black and white people. We we subscribe to we subscribe to the extremes. However, this is an area where we are encouraging our friends and athletes and family to subscribe to the gray in the middle ground, find what works for them rather than engage in dangerous extreme behaviors. Huh? I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I believe in right and wrong in a lot of aspects. I don't know if I, no, no. What I mean is, let me talk about me for an for example but i i tend to go to extremes i'm very comfortable in extremes um extreme pushing or extreme not (laughs) um i and i mean that intellectually um physically emotionally i'm that that is where i tend to fall into so what i've been working on over the last god i'm just gonna say five years i don't know is trying to find peace in the gray zones. And for me, moderation is grossly uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't. But it's something I've been working on to try to be more healthy and more well-rounded as a human being. You are having a life balance? I'm trying. I'm trying. So do you want to hear a goofy story? It's goofy. All right. If you think it's stupid, if you think it's stupid, we can edit it out. Um, I was, I've always had issues with the word balance. And we've talked about this because I just don't feel like life has any balance. I feel like life is more of a give and take. But I was doing yoga the other day and I was working on some sort of balance pose and when i'm in a balance pose or when anybody tries to balance right there's wobble okay you're wobbling and you're kind of falling you know sometimes you fall over sometimes you can like find that moment of stillness sometimes you're just holding it while you're wobbling and the kind of epiphany i had in me embracing my own gray zones is maybe my balance is that wobble, right? Maybe my balance is like, sometimes I'm wobbling, sometimes I'm falling down. Sometimes I can just stand and be completely chill in in my balance. But maybe balance is the strive to get there rather than the result of what it looks like in the end. Just want to let you know that wasn't a story, that was a metaphor, but it was a pretty good metaphor. But it was an actual, maybe it was a story and a metaphor because it was really happening down in my basement. So, so yeah, but I think that's where we talk about the priorities, <laughs> right? Like we, when I say like you prioritize what's important to you at the time, like that might be, I need to lean a little further to the left. I need to lean a little further to the right to get my balance. Oh, I got hearts. Um, so now we have to explain this both well sean started it and on our record there's react buttons where we can send each other hearts or snowflakes or 
mistletoe or reindeer and Sean started it and I've been sending him, I've been sending him little emoticons all over the screen. As we've been talking, he just got hearts. I heart you, man. Big love. (laughs) Big love. So yeah. So anyway, we digress. Speaking of cults, big love. Speaking of cults. Polyamorous Mormons. Ooh. Um, I have no issue whatsoever with um polyamorous Mormons. Polygamy. No, no, polygamy or polyamorous relationships. Um, none whatsoever. My issue is when it's forced, um when it involves a patriarchal um patriarchal idea what if it's a matriarchal why is it always got to be the patriarchy why can't it be the because because it's not it's not and i mean somebody find me somebody find me that cult but or you know i have to add this that the thing that makes me really upset um is the child marriage okay um and 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 so religion when does religion become a cult when does um when does all that stuff when do when do we cross that line into into weird behaviors and i sort of have this my personal my personal belief is that i don't care what you do i really don't just don't hurt anybody and don't hurt any animals and i'm cool but as soon as i find out you're hurting somebody that is not as strong as you and you're abusing your power that's where the patriarchy comes in um then i'm going to call knock it off and say and say it's not okay uh so but people want to be in polyamorous relationships more power to you um i have no problem with with people getting love in any way that they want to that's not my issue just don't hurt anybody there are several matriarchal cults. If you're interested, okay. You can Google that. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know if they're polyamorous. I, I didn't dive into it. As long as there's, as long as there, if there's an abuse of power, that's the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my thought. And we we were talking um, at the end of our podcast record. Because we we started talking about this whole idea of cults because we both are watching the show, or you watched it. I'm in the middle of it, The Vow, on on HBO, which is about the Nexium cult. Um, and I am listening to a podcast by Sarah Edmondson and her husband Nippy called um, A Little I Culty. I can't get over that name, Nippy. I know. I just wonder where it comes from. I, it's, I, but anyway, I like they're exploring different cults and the different psychological belief systems pulling people in, which I think is, is absolutely fascinating. So that's how that's actually where the idea of this podcast came from today. But I can say over the years, over the have I, have I officially I think I've been officially coaching with Endurance now for 10 years. Um, I'd have to look at my LLC, um, established, uh, document, but 
lots of athletes come to me with ideas. Hey, have you read fill in the blank? Um, or to run. I want a barefoot run. Yeah. Or, or Tim Noakes waterlogged. Oh, I got a funny story. So I had my whoa, daughter. Whoa, whoa, was, whoa, whoa. I think Tim Noakes waterlogged is actually a very good reference manual. I just think that yes, everything, it, it, almost it every, everything that came after that starts to get a little weird with Mr. Noakes. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's good. That's what I mean. But that's my point. All of these drastic ideas start typically start with a good idea. There's nothing wrong with being vegan. There's nothing wrong with obstacle course racing. There's nothing wrong with CrossFit. There's nothing wrong with waterlogged. However, when you start depriving yourself of water because you think you've quote had too much, then I'm going to say you've gone over the deep end. So waterlogged is is a really interesting reference book and I've I've used it a lot when um when I first got it my oldest daughter was maybe about 10 years old I had the book in the back of the car and she was you know she's in the we were going to school or something like that and you know I always have these books all over the place and she picked up the book I had forgotten it was even back there and I didn't know she was reading it and she, she goes from the back seat she goes are you kidding me are they telling us that water's bad for us now too mm -hmm. <laughs> And in essence, it is if we're talking about hyponitremia. Yes, if you if you drink too much water, it will be bad. If you drink too much water, that will or too little water, that will also be bad. Um, but yeah, all of these things, and I have all these reference books. I mean, I'm looking at my. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and these are only the current books I'm reading, but I have a, I think I have Kelly Starrett. I have a couple, I have an Ashtanga yoga book up there. I have um, Stacy Sims, Next Level. Um, I have Fixing Your Feet with John Vonoff, which I think is gotta, I mean, <laughs> I think that's a cult we could probably agree on, right? Like that is the, that is the foot Bible. That is the absolute best book for, for, um, yeah, but for, all, for all of his, all of his stuff, it's not like, yeah, I know. it's, yeah. it's broad. It's like, the listen, it's there's a this, how to. this, this, yeah. 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 It's like, a how to. And actually like, in some of, of his, out of your oh, books there, like Kelly Starlet is probably the most cultish figure on that list so far. If you subscribe to it at a cult level, but I don't, I just take the mobility aspect. So I've trained a number of people that, that have, um, like dancing gymnastics or yoga as their background. And what happens is they come to me overstretched, overstretched and weakened. So they will have great flexibility and mobility, right? but super, super weak and very prone to injuries. So what I'm doing is teaching them how to use those exercises to not further degrade their body. And I'm teaching them how to strengthen within poses rather than just try to pull and make themselves, in essence, longer and more bendy, right? It, yeah. So it, anything, all these books... And those are just the books that are literally right in front of my eyes as we as we speak. Um, they can get weird if you're subscribing to it like like a religion, I suppose.
Right. And I think that, I mean, out of those people, I think that would be one of the people that gets probably subscribed to as a pseudo. Um, Ashtanga yoga, Ashtanga yoga can get pretty, can get pretty severe. Um, but I'll do Ashtanga yoga and then I'll also do, I have yoga for athletes up there. I have yin yoga. Um, I do them all. Um, but if I did, if I did Ashtanga yoga every day, all day, um, it starts to really hurt my shoulders. Um, and it just doesn't quite work for my body. Just, so. uh, just cause you're weak, Megan, if you were stronger, you'd be, you'd be able to do it all the time. Okay. Goggins. <laughs> Stop giving up on yourself, Megan. Push through. Hmm. It's, your, it's your weak mind that's preventing you from from doing a stronger yoga all day, every day. But, but, but what do you, but what do you think I should do? Coach Sean, is there, <laughs> is there a vitamin or a supplement or a prayer that you recommend? How, how do I do this? Well, I think you should take superfoods, nutritional supplement three times a day, followed by super okay. greens, uh, okay. twice a day. Okay. And then, uh, don't forget to take extra BCAs, um, okay. at least, at least in the evenings before you go to bed. And then um, you need to take in at least two times the grams of protein per your body weight in pounds. And that's the only way to live. Okay. So can I add in intermittent fasting in all no. that? No. You have to eat every three mm -hmm. to four hours. Okay. Except in your sleep cycle, but before your sleep cycle, you have to take casein protein so that your body. But so I'm doing dairy, so I'm allowed to do dairy on your protein. I mean, on your program. Absolutely. You said, okay, so I'm You're doing not... dairy. Yeah. Because the casein, casein's obviously casein's casein's dairy. Okay. Um, how how should I dress? What do I what do I wear? Oh, you only are allowed to wear Lululemon. Okay. All right. What about my skin? What can I, what can I do? Can I, should I be putting some special products on my skin? Like, cause there's topical stuff that can absorb minerals and right. Has to be CBD, all CBD oils all the time. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, are there any prayers or mantras that I should oh, be doing? Your, your CBD oil also has to be from essential oils. So you have to have essential oils with cbd you know wait a minute is this so this is the cbd separate from the essential oils or is it in the essential oils it's, and should i diffuse it consume it or put it on my body i'm very confused you can do all of that all right what happens if i make a mistake yeah i kick you out you have to find someone else just like just like once or what if i make a mistake once well, will you still have me back well, well you have to you have to you have to be contrite and you have to you know penance and we'll figure out what your penance is based upon Okay. All right. What what you consider what about, a mistake? I consider it. I think right. that I think that you're. It's a personal attack against me, and you don't want to do that. Okay, I I I get that. That makes sense. That makes sense because you do. I I like what you're doing, and I want I want what you have. Exactly. This works. Is there anything else I'm forgetting? Um, we'll figure that out as we go along. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about the uncertainty. Will you give me the direction I need when I need it? 
whenever you need it. Okay. All right. And what do I refer to you as? Uh, you refer to me as, uh, you can refer to me as Sean, Mr. Sean, Super Sean, or His <laughs> Highness. How do I know what to call you when? It depends on the situation. We'll go over that. Okay. I just don't want to make any mistakes and I just want to be clear. Is there, okay. Sean, Sean, Super Sean, or His Highness. Mr. Do I refer Sean. to you as his? Oh, okay. See, I, I don't want to make mistakes. I just want Shh. to make sure that I'm doing this the right way. It, because it, are you his highness when you've had a lot of CBD oil? <laughs> Only when you have pot stickers, <laughs> Megan. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man, that's exhausting. That's exhausting. I'm going to hang with Groucho Marx. Yeah, but see... We'll Listen, listen, once we get it, once we get it all, all laid out and you have a structured plan, it's easy. Then you just have to follow it. But you said I have to learn more. Are there different levels? There's always levels. It's like karate. We have different belt systems. Do I get belt? Ooh, do I get bling? You always, of course you get bling, but you have to earn it. All right. Okay. Devotion earns. Okay, Mr. Sean. <laughs> Proper usage of it that time. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Highness. I appreciate it. I just put some CBD oil on this one. <laughs> oh, God. You know what's like, it's funny. It's funny because it's really like how many steps away from things we see on a on a regular basis. <laughs> Well, it, it happens. Oh, God. It happens whenever. I mean, it, it can happen to, to any any coach, right? Like we were talking, when we were talking yes. about it. We were talking yeah. about, um, you know, the Carolis and, you know. Oh, yeah. And that. And, Bella, Bella Caroli in gymnastics and, is what we're, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean. Alberto in, Salazar running. Salazar in, yeah. the, in the running world. I mean, when it yeah. comes down to it, like. And. The question, right? I think we had some disagreement or possible disagreement on the differences of what that is and whether it's whether it would be worth it to like to to fall into that abusive relationship for the benefit of a gold medal. And I guess that would be depending on where your priorities lie as a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the three of us, you, me, and Sam. I think there there have been many times when our athletes try to put us up on pedestals, but we don't we don't do that at all. And I think having this podcast is is a real example of the fact that we are human. You make mistakes a lot. I make whoa, mistakes whoa, once whoa, in a while. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I wonder. I wondered when you were going to catch on to that. Um, but that seriously, we make. <laughs> no, I know, I know, because I had to call you, Mister Highness. So I was coming. I had to. I had to balance it out. Um, but yeah, we have we have athletes that have that that start to do that with us, put us on a pedestal, or give us some sort of authority. And sure. 
the three of us have a lot of knowledge about exercise and physiology, um, mental health, you know, nutrition. However, as soon as one of us is asked a question that we don't know, we don't fake it. Like I've referred people out to different coaches um, when I know somebody else knows more than me. Um, we ask each other questions all the time. Um, I don't think we're afraid to say, I don't know to our athletes. And again, this podcast is an example of our humanity because we're, you and I are both just people <laughs> trying to, trying to make, trying to make our way through the world. Um, we aren't pretending that we're amazing, that we're experts. I mean, again, we know what we know, but we also know what we don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think when it comes down to it is right you you give people and those that you coach you give them the best guidance that you can give them with the understanding that that guidance may not work for that individual and you have to you have to observe listen and take data and the in and the information given to you by the athlete and then make better decisions for that athlete based upon that information and there might be you know all the scientific evidence in the world or all the anecdotal evidence in the world might say that this person should be a vegan or this person should be running long, slow distance only, or this person should be focusing on doing multiple intervals during a week, or this person should be riding a bike half the time, or this person should be weightlifting more or whatever it is. Right. Right. But when it comes down to what the athlete is telling you and what the actual numbers for that particular athlete are showing, you have to be willing to step away from whatever belief system you have to be a good fucking coach. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that always happens. I don't, I think, I think there's a lot of really good coaches out there that have really stagnant beliefs on a lot of things and can't see it for any other reason or any other way than what it is. Um, um, I think that as an example of that, um, I really appreciate, and I've switched I've switched my coaching in the last few years um, based on the data that came out from, it started with Stacey Sims and her female-based um, training programs. And there's a lot of other researchers that are doing the same thing now. But I feel like that I was mistakenly coached as a small man, as, as she, you know, she, she, her little tagline is women are not small men. I was trained as a small man for so many years. And, and also I think in coaching others for a long time, I was training women and men in the same way. And it took, it took a lot of research and it took a lot of reading, um, for me to begin to alter that. And I'm also, it also was super helpful that I started working Many years ago, I had a, a number of athletes who were recovering from cancer or some long-term illness. That was really 
um, that was really eye-opening and in changing to adapt to to adapt to their needs, assuming, well, it depended whether that, you know, whether they're still getting chemo and radiation or post treatment or, you know, post, um, mastectomy, that, that was a big one. I had to learn how to do that. Um, but yeah, learning, learning to work with women based on their hormonal cycles and based on whether they're still menstruating or perimenopause or menopause. I've been working on that quite a bit and it's, and it's, there isn't one way to coach women. It's not like this is the only way that's, that's the really important thing. Like Stacey Sims is an advocate of a lot of um, high intensity interval training, which is great. She's also an advocate of heavy weights Super great. I think we need that for bone density. But again, there are some athletes that can't do heavy weights um, and that can't do high intensity training. So how can we adapt that to their lifestyle and just still respect their needs to maintain bone density or work with hormonal cycles? Again, not. I think it's interesting, right? So I think those two topics are right. So like high intensity intervals and heavy weights i think where it stacy sims why i think where it comes into is right so like the heavy weights and the high intensity and the plyo that stuff comes into bone density where right like where there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of lack of there's there's a large large proportion of women postmenopausal that have a lot of osteoporosis type issues based upon. Well, and remember after having the fixator on my leg, I had osteoporosis in my right leg for six months because I hadn't, because I literally hadn't stepped on my leg for three perfect example. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's one of those things where like, look, this is, this is a methodology that is not typically included with women that maybe we should look at and see how that actually physically affects women and if it's a benefit. And I think that's, right. that's one of those things, right? Like there's, I mean, you look at a high school gym, like a football team's gym, right? It's all dudes, right? You don't see that on the, you, you typically in most high schools, you don't see like the female like track team in the gym lifting heavy, right? It's, it's becoming, it, I think you see it more and more on the high level. Like if you look at, um, if you were to like follow, say, Michaela Schifrin, arguably the the best female skier of all time, and like you watch her her training program, she lifts heavy, right? Like, um, Cat Bradley, right? Like ultra runner extraordinaire, does does some heavy lifting stuff. Um, who's uh the Nike, I know. Nike yes, runner I yellow can. yellow runner? I can't think of her name. Um, she has great Instagram videos. Holy moly. Um, on, on all of the weight training that, that she's, that she's been doing. Um, Sally McRae, boy, oh boy, she is, she is a beast and I, she is a very small, but you know, cut cut woman. And if you look at her training and her performance, I mean, she was able to, to win Badwater. Um, whereas she, I think it was three years prior, she, you know, she DNF'd, um, but she changed her training and added this, you know, added, you know, really heavy weights. And if you, 
don't follow her on Instagram. It's a really um, eye-opening way to train differently uh, to to get strong to run to run long miles. But like I said, it's it's all depends on like what do you need? What's what, what do you want? What's your goals? Yeah. What you need? How much time you have? Right? Like. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a a runner that um that I that we actually both know that I I've had conversations with saying that listen if you want to run long distances you have to put more time in running vice doing high intensity weightlifting session type stuff where like like you need to spend more time overall accumulating miles and endurance in that low aerobic zone um and you know i i mean and that's just from my observation of what he is doing and the results he is getting it has nothing to do with and and if and if that person doesn't want to do that because they don't enjoy that it's just the results won't be there for what he says he wants um it's I, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because over the years, um, for those who don't know me, I am built like a middle distance runner. I am built like a like a marathoner. I'm tall and naturally I tend to get thin and I don't like weight training. <laughs> I that is not my jam. I bleh. but um, but I've noticed that as I started running more miles, if I wanted to continue with that mileage and be healthy and injury free, I had to start adding weights in. And the weights that I would do during my, you know, peak training look much different than off season. Um, but strength has to be a very um, strong component of of my training. If I don't do it, I get injured. And I don't, I don't like it. I really don't. Um, but I find the most tolerable weight training options and I just force myself to do it. It's that simple. Um, and it's not, it's not awful. Um, it's empowering. I like, I like being stronger. Uh, I was actually just talking about this with Bill, um, cause he's, he's been rucking a lot because he's training for a baton. And he said, God, every day I just want to, I just want to ruck. That's my favorite thing to do. He loves the weight. He loves, he loves hiking. Again, if you don't know what rucking is, it's just um, an excessive amount of weight on your back um, while, um, while hiking. Um, and I said to him, I said, that's great. I want to run every day, every day. That's all I want to do. I'd be so happy, um, but I can't, it just, just doesn't work. I said, I, y- y- you have to find, here we go again. Um, you have to find the balance. Yep. And you have to find what you need. And if you're going to look towards David Goggins and be like, that's it. I'm going to do what he's doing. Okay. Um, add that in. But then on the other side, who was that runner that you were talking about in the last podcast that was telling people to run happy? To run happy? I don't know. Yeah, he was a happy runner. Oh, uh, um, John, John Bingham. Or Bingham. Yes. Yeah. The, so the then if you're. Yes, exactly. So if you're gonna if you're gonna bring in David Goggins, bring it. Bring David in your head on the long workouts, but then on your easier days, 
bring in, bring in your Don Bigham and go for f- literally fun runs and have fun and enjoy the scenery. And that's, that's the balance that we need to get stronger. It's not that you always have to be happy when you run or you always need to be going, you know, said genitals to the wall, <laughs> you know, Goggins style. Find, find your happy medium. And if you can't do it yourself, that's where coaches come in. Um, sometimes we just need that outside guidance. But again, I can think of coaches I've had in my life that have pushed me to extremes, but um, it wasn't necessarily healthy for me emotionally. So um, I stopped because, <laughs> again, me and Groucho Marx, I'm like, yeah, what you're saying isn't quite working for me. How can I get this without beating myself up or by worshiping um, Mr. Sean? Yeah, well, I think like, <laughs> one of the things is, um, you know, and, and I've and, and this has happened with athletes where it's. Um, maybe you have to push them to extremes, right? Like it, if, well, if X goal is, is this, and it's on the, the fringes of what they're physically capable of, right? You, the, there's a, a certain, right. And that's where we talk about like your, your genetics will determine your ultimate physical limit, whatever mm-hmm. that is, right? Like that's mm-hmm. your, your, whatever your genetics are, like, now, how close you can get to that limit can be dictated by the training you do and the intensity and effort that you put into that training. Now, how much you're willing to do that to get as close to that limit is, is a personal choice that you have to make. A coach can guide you in a certain way, and then it comes into pushing that extreme to get to that point. There is a a cost weight analysis that has to come into it because it's going to take its toll in other aspects like whether it be your personal aspect or i mean your ultimate like physical health come you know five years down the road maybe a year down the road there is like right like i tell people all the time that running ultra marathons is not necessarily the healthiest freaking habit in the world it's what I want to do, so I do it. But I would say if you want to, like, have an overall healthy lifestyle that is a healthy, long, sustainable lifestyle, a half marathon training plan type running plan and a physical, like, a physical activity um, and weight and strength training involved in that is probably the healthiest way to live your your life as far as overall health and longevity. Um, right. So to quote um, is, so it's Supreme court justice Potter Stewart in 1964, right? He's talking about pornography. Okay. And this is where the quote, you know, I know when I see it, that colloquial expression came from. So he said, I shall not today attempt further to define the kinds of material I understand to be embraced within that shorthand description, hardcore pornography, and perhaps I could never succeed in intelligibly doing so. 
but I know it when I see it and the motion picture involved in this case is not that. So you're, you're correct. You have to sometimes go to extreme measures for extreme results, but this is where I'm going to go with uh, Justice, Justice Potter here. If you're training for something, um, let's say we're, we're getting you to the Olympics, okay? You are training to be an Olympic marathoner, and I'm your coach, and I'm saying to you, Sean, this is what you need to do. Um, I know your body, and it, this is, you know, we're going to talk calories, we're going to talk um you know, elevation based on the course you're doing. We're going to talk heat training. We're going to, whatever. Um, you got to lift this much. These are the sacrifices you're going to have to make if you want that Olympic gold medal. Now, when you say to me, Meg, I can't do said miles because my wife and my children need me. As, as a good coach, I would say, you know what? Okay, if that's your choice in life, so be it. Go be with your wife, go be with your kids, more power to you. Now, the the cultish abuse of power comes in to play here, where I'm training you and you don't eat the right calories. Um, you are a loser, Sean. You're always going to be a loser if you don't do what I say, you know, fill, fill in the blank. Or let's say you have a bad day and um, you don't make your times. You suck. You suck. You're always going to suck if you want this gold medal. And, you know, insert said abusive language or physical abuse or sexual abuse, whatever it is, whatever means are being used to control you. That's where the problem exists. Because I feel like if you don't want the Olympic gold medal and you prioritize your family over the Olympic gold medal, that's absolutely fine. There are other people out there that can, that can reach that goal that, that I could coach. Okay. And I, I respect that choice, but you're not a loser. There's nothing wrong with you. And there's no excuse for me belittling you or breaking you in the name of getting you to subscribe to, to my viewpoint to get you to, you know, your Olympic medal or whatever the goal is. That I think is the line. And what defines that line of cults, abuse, um, control, abuse of power, it's very hard for us to define that. But I think you and I, and I hope that people listening understand that you know it when you see it. You just kind of get that vibe that this this isn't right. And and that's when, you know, th that's when you start paying attention. Yeah. Because I think if 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 I was gonna train you to to reach an incredible goal like like an Olympic medal, it's not gonna happen by belittling you. It's not gonna happen by me abusing my power that I have over you. And, and when we coach people, we have power over them. Well, that's, okay. we, we do, we do. It's whether we like it or not, that's, it, that's a what I'm going to say is it just cause, just because, um, you aren't belittling someone does not mean you are not honest with them about their workout. And by that, I mean, you might tell someone that like, look at, that was a bad workout. That was garbage. 
I don't think you gave enough effort on that workout. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same as saying you're a piece of fucking garbage. Exactly. You are a loser. Yep. You mm-hmm. are this. It's saying that this workout was not up to your potential. And that's a different, different. There's like that dividing line where it becomes a personal attack vice an example of where they are in that exact moment and what that, what that, that yep. one instance and, is. And, and the, and it depends on how they come to you with that, right? Like I've had athletes come to mm-hmm. me and say that workout was fucking awful, like blah, blah, blah. And I was, mm-hmm. then, then on that point, it's like, well, why was it? Let's look at it. Let's explain. Yep. Let's, let's, Learn from what happened in this workout, how this workout existed, and why. And then we can grow on it as opposed to saying, you're right, that was garbage. You are garbage. You're not working hard enough. You need to work harder. Yep. Right? There's no yep. there's no learning in that. It's just push yep. push that, smack that egg against the wall and see if it breaks. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's we have to be we have to be honest with with our athletes to improve their performance and it's how it's how we go about that um i don't think that i mean maybe there's maybe there's a guideline out there um but if if somebody you know if your instincts start you know start start saying that this doesn't feel right this feels sketchy this feels abusive this feels culty this feels exclusionary you're probably right probably right um and i just i oh boy i've <laughs> i've i've pushed people um i push people a lot of times i mean i can think of so many times i've been crewing i might have done this to you um I've done it to countless people that that I've been crewing for in, you know, when they're when they hit an aid station and they're taking too long. I have literally like picked people up by the shoulders and shoved them in the middle of their back. Like, let's go. You're go- you're 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 taking too much time here. You're taking too much time. If you sit, your muscles are going to tense up and you're losing you're losing precious time. You're close to a cutoff. You're you're going to blow your goal. Um and and then I've had other times I can think where I had an athlete, oh my God, and her feet were so horrible. They were they were macerated. Um, if you don't know what that means, um, you can Google it. It's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> and they were just, the skin was coming off the bottom of her feet, but she really wanted to finish this race. So I sat there and I took care of her feet and she was she had tears in her eyes and she was groaning and she was in so much pain. And as I'm taking care of her feet, I could feel like my eyes were welling up with tears and I could feel myself getting choked up because I knew that I was causing her so much pain and trying to take care of her feet and get them put back together. So she would be able to finish the race. Um, But at the same time with tears in my eyes, I looked at her and I said, do you want this? do you want to finish this race? And her answer was yes. And I said, what I'm going to do to your feet right now is going to be really painful, but I promise I can hold your feet together through the rest of the race. And so when she was, you know, crying and groaning, um, I'm like, you can do this. It's all right. We're going to be over. It's not that bad. You know, (laughs) just 
trying to talk her through this. But when she ultimately left, I think I sat there for a minute and I think I just had tears and I had to just kind of shake it off because I knew the amount of pain that I caused her. Um, but it was for they made her better. <laughs> it made her better. Like she was able to finish the race. She was able to finish the race and she did, and she did really well. Um, and she met her goal and she was ultimately, you know, ultimately happy. So, yeah. And it didn't cause long-term damage and she can walk today. So it's okay. Exactly. And she has her, she has her metal or buckle. I'm trying to remember. It was a medal or a buckle. I honestly can't remember which race it was. But, um, but yeah. yeah. But that's, I mean, I've had plenty of athletes cry and tell me that I'm an asshole, mm-hmm. like during a workout. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, I think, I think I've, I think I've called you an asshole. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, but that's it, fine. I don't mind. I don't mind that. It's part of, part of the yeah. thing is like some days, like, yeah. You get pushed a little, little further than like you thought you could go. Mm-hmm. The next time, it's right. it's not that way. Um, but that's that's experience as a coach and as an athlete, and it helps that it helps that I'm a therapist as well. But of knowing how far you can push somebody in that line between abuse, um, uh, you know, physical abuse, abuse of power. Um, to help them reach their goal or are we bringing them up and making them better as a person to, to reach their goal with, with some pain, with some pain involved. I think, you know, I think the adage like do no harm is, is kind of the intent as a coach. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I don't know. I, I have, and, and, and maybe it's just me. I don't know. I I have no desire to have any power over anyone. So the hardest thing for me to do as a coach is essentially tell someone that they're not not working hard enough. Like they're not they're not that they're not. That's that's where it becomes because because right I live by the like like I said like I don't want to do any harm, um, but. At that same same token, I am in turn by telling someone that they're not working up to their. You got to be, be honest. You got to be honest. That, that, that's also yeah. doing harm. It's just a different way, right? Like it's just. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think there's some coaches that really, really strive to have power and control, and that's. Yes. Have you ever had one of those coaches? I have uh, honestly, I've been I've been blessed with like really really good solid coaches. Um, yeah. In in my adult running career, in my like prior, my my swimming career, like I've had I've had really really excellent fucking coaches. Um, I I have had um I have had an abusive coach, and it when it's happening you don't really realize that it's happening, or at least let me talk for me. I didn't really realize that it was happening because I was younger and I was under the idea that sure, I did not like this coach. Um, but that's fine. I don't have to like my coach. Um, but I was under the idea that what I was being told was going to make me better. And I was too young to know the difference. And if, 
if abuse was involved in that, then yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll make me a better athlete. And it really, it really screwed me up for a while. And there was a period, oh gosh. And there was a period that I just, I stopped running, um, in my late teens and early twenties because I just really hated I really hated it. Um, and not that I hated running, but I hated how running made me feel about myself. And most of that came from, came from that abusive coaching situation. And it took me a long time. It took me a couple of years to just learn how to love, learn how to love running and learn how to love pushing myself. And I am super competitive, uh, and mostly competitive with myself and if i don't reach a goal i tend to you know i tend to be really hard on myself but over the years i have the self talk that you were just describing like okay why didn't this work out go well why didn't i reach my goal and frankly if i can't figure it out i'd call like you or sam or somebody else and say hey look at my numbers what am, what am i missing here what am i and 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 i can view it objectively i'm not missing my numbers because there's something inherently wrong with me. I'm dumb or I'm lazy or I'm an idiot, right? I'm missing my numbers or not getting my goal because maybe I'm not eating enough. That's typically me. I, I wouldn't eat enough or maybe I'm not strength training enough. I'm not sleeping enough. Um, I'm overtraining. Those are all things that I've done in my past or going back to the training specificity episode that, um, that, we had X many podcasts ago. A lot of times, I think you've helped me with this. You've looked at my training and been like, ah, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z to better mimic the conditions that you're training for. And I'm like, okay, again, all of that advice and feedback at, at my age, I can really take it objectively. And I can't remember anything in my recent past any coaching in my recent past that has left me feeling less than or or not supported because I won't, as soon as I find those kind of coaches, as soon as I find those kind of people, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. It's, there's no, there's no goal in my life right now that's worth you breaking me or harming me. Like I've been there. I've done that. You know, we've, We've talked about addictions. We've talked about mental illness. We've talked about, you know, physical breakdowns, been there, done that. And no one gave me a fucking T-shirt for it. <laughs> so I'm not doing it again. Yeah. I just, I want to, I want to be happy and I want to be stronger and I want to be better and I want to be faster and I want to be smarter. Um, and I will continue to push myself, but not through abuse. Never, ever, ever again. And I will make sure that, boy, that's, if I ever find out that any of my children are being coached by somebody that has that mentality, I would, I, I would go all falling down, Michael Douglas falling down on, well, I on don't, said coach. It's I not, not going to happen. I would say that it, I think, I think probably 99.9% .9 of coaches fall into the pretty good coach range, right? Some of them might be, I think some of them may have 
it was like when it comes to like high school sports or high, high school athletics because of the constraints in which they coach, right? There might be a little more of the throw the eggs against the wall and see what sticks because it's hard yeah. to individually yeah. it's hard to individually yep. coach a girls cross country team or like right like mm-hmm. it, it, mm-hmm. the, the ones that are really exceptional coaches like can kind of manage that in a way that's like that's healthy for everyone and provides the best best benefits to the team but that's that's fucking not easy that's really 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 hard work that's really really it is. it's super hard where I think where I've seen it's like I started thinking back about my swimming career where I've seen the most abuse come from is the parents of the athlete. Um, And, and I don't mean that that the parents were abusive all the time, but when it came to the athletics, that's where like it, it, it seemed to be the most, most prevalent. Like I saw it, um, I saw it in my swimming, my swimming career with, I mean, I can I fucking like, I remember one instance where this girl somewhere in the age of 10 to 12 years old went up to see, um, her father after a bad, it was a bad race. She didn't, she didn't perform well. Shit happens. Um, and her dad just like in front of everyone just lit her up and threw a fucking can of peanuts at her. Oh my like, god! Yeah. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't it, it's, that's just like you saw you saw that aspect of things. Um, I think that happens. I think it happens in sports specifically, like swimming. It, I'm sure it happens in in track. Um, gymnastics where there's a lot of um, like football i think it probably happens in every high level well, well yeah i think i think it's harder in those in team aspects right because it's harder to pinpoint that it's your individual effort that is the piece of that's the problem right like See, i like gotta in, say i haven't i haven't had experience with abusive parents so I, I see what you're saying, but I think if I, someone's going to be abusive, they could probably just find a way. I think, um, I think in individual sports, especially where there's a high high price tag to pay them to play them, right? Like swimming, gymnastics. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose if you're on a, a pretty high ranking track team where you're traveling a lot and spending, especially you're doing indoor track in the wintertime where you're paying a lot to pay out, play out, to run on an indoor course and do that. Um, when there becomes like a cost, like a f- actual cost to perf- to play, um, that's more and more sports these days. Soccer's huge in that regard, but I think specifically with the individual sports, it's very easy to pinpoint that someone didn't have a good good day or ha- didn't have mm-hmm. a good race. Whereas if you drop a football but catch four other passes. I mean, your parent is probably going to be an abusive asshole. will probably be like, you dropped that one fucking touchdown pass. Like, but you have the balance of like what caught four others. Whereas like, if you blow one race out of like three races, that's like a quarter of your day, not just like, and there's no hiding it from someone else. Like there's no hiding it behind like, well, so-and-so had a bad race. Like it's, So my oldest daughter is a lacrosse goalie and we've 
so we've been at games where I can see that the defense on her team totally failed and put her in a bad situation. And, and that's why, you know, that's why the game, that's why they lost. Right. And then there's been other times after the game where she and I have been talking and it, there were some skills that she could improve on. Um, and, and she would, she would notice these skills and, you know, we talk about them on the way home, like she wasn't doing ground balls good enough or she needs to work on her speed. Um, but the pressure of being a goalie, I watch her. I, I tell her this all the time. I could never do it. First, if somebody's going to whip lacrosse balls at my head, I'm just going to run away <laughs> just really fast in the other direction because those hurt. Um, but the pressure, the pressure that I watch her sit through or stand through um, is amazing. And, but she's got a personality type. She is her, her team nicknamed her um, the brick wall because she's just solid as a human being. Like she can really withstand, withstand that pressure. And if I was that goalie and a goal got in, that would just I don't know. I don't. I don't think I could do it. I would put the entire weight of the world on my shoulder. She's able to shake it off, and you know, go to the next thing. Um, and yeah, and she comes home from games, and whether they've won or lost, you know, I'll ask that. How'd you guys do? And how was the game? And then the question was, okay, so they, oftentimes they've won, and I'll be like, how'd you do? And she'd be like, ah, you know, I'm missing these, and she'll give me a bad report of the game. Or oftentimes they've lost. And she'll be like, yep, we lost, but I, you know, the defense fell through and I was able to do X, Y, and Z. And I appreciate that she can look at it that way. I really appreciate that she can see what's her stuff, what's other people's stuff. And also I hear her talking to her team and she doesn't, she doesn't ever belittle people or yell at people when they put her in a bad situation. Um, yeah, that's that's why her team has given her that nickname. But that is a level of pressure that I could not could not withstand. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So now, with that said, we're probably nearing the end of our record time. But I think we I think we hit on a lot with this. It's this is a strikingly different podcast from the previous one where we were totally squirrel ADHD. So that's the difference between you and I being focused and you and I being all over the place. Yes. I mean, this actually we didn't we we picked a topic and we uh kind of stayed on topic more or less. We were just awesome, Sean. Good You're job, awesome. Meg. Yeah, you're doing good. Go job. You. Yeah. I just really admire your use of knowledge and how you communicate with me to make me a better human person, a human person, human being. <laughs> well, I really appreciate your appreciating of me, which helps me better appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Meg, so what song are we ending with today? Well, you chose it, but we are on a good run because this is another song that we both agreed on. Because when you were playing it before we started recording, I think I actually started dancing. So, um, 
I know you, it's, it's a cult song, literally (laughs) by the cult, but which song did you land on? We were, we were oscillating between two. Which one are we going with? We're going to go with Firewoman so I don't have to say the other title and mess it up. <laughs> Makes sense. I like this song. This is one of those songs that I put on my, it's on one of my playlists, like when I need energy. Because whenever I hear this song, it just makes me like, yeah, makes me want to go get them. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later, Meg. Take care. Bye. <laughs>